0: Welcome to Adoption Unfiltered, a podcast about examining various viewpoints of lived adoption experiences. Your hosts, Sarah Easterly, Kelsey vanderbilt Rainyard, and Lori Holden occupy three corners of the adoption triad, and we invite you to join us as we cover sensitive and timely issues from the perspectives of an adoptee, a birth parent, and an adoptive parent. Enjoy today's episode.
1: Welcome to this episode of Adoption Unfiltered previously known as Three Sides to Every Adoption. Hosted by myself, Sarah Easterly, I'm an adoptee, Kelsey Vander ranyard a birth parent, and Lori Holden, an adoptive parent. You may have noticed that we've taken a bit of a break in episodes. That's because we've been locked up in our various writing corners, working on a book together.
2: We are so excited to share that our book has been turned into our publisher. Adoption unfiltered revelations from adoptees birth parents adoptive parents and allies will be released on December 1st of this year. And we are so eager to share it with you soon we're going to devote an entire episode to catching you up on our goals and dreams for our book and how we intend for it to represent you and your experiences in adoption. we've already been thrilled with the support and feedback we're getting from early readers and we can't wait for this book to be in your hands.
0: But for today, we are here with a new podcast episode. Our podcast will now be going by the same name as our book, Adoption Unfiltered. Let's dig into today's topic, which is healthy engagement. So what does that look like? Here we go.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Adoption Unfiltered. My name is Lori Holden, and I am an adoptive parent. And I'm joined today by my colleague, my co-author, and my friend, Sarah Easterly, who's an adoptee. Hi, Sarah. And also our other colleague, co-author and friend, Kelsey Vandervliet-Ranyard, who is a birth mom. Hi. One thing that the three of us have learned is that talking with each other respectfully is a good way to better understand other viewpoints in adoption. But what does that mean, respectfully? Are there there hidden rules of engagement in adoption? If we were to make these rules more apparent, what would they be revealed to be? In this episode of Adoption Unfiltered, we're dealing with the topic of healthy versus unhealthy engagement when it comes to conversations about adoption. What are, or should be, some of the rules of engagement? Let's kick this off by asking you, Sarah. What makes for healthy engagement in adoption spaces? If a person finds out that you're an adoptee, for example, is it okay to ask a question of you as an adoptee?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And, um, you know, adoptees, I think um, we have been feeling um, for quite a while that we haven't had a voice. And so, um, you know, here's a plug for adoptee voices, <laughs> um, not just the writing groups, but all adoptee voices um, getting to speak and help. Um, I think, you know, historically, they're Um, our voices, and this is going way back, but our voices have been missing when it comes to policy and parenting, um, the books that are out there, um, all led by professionals and adoptive parents largely um, are dominated by that so so it's good it it, it's good to be asked (laughs) it's good that we're our voices are being sought now um and and listened to and um respected I, i feel like there's definitely been headway there um but i appreciate you asking because that question alone speaks to the respect um because there's a line of asking um and then not taking advantage um and um you know, I mean, like, are we getting into like consulting zone (laughs) or is it like a simple question? I think those are individual um, case-by-case situations to kind of judge, but there should always be kind of a respect behind it. So I think you're starting in a really good place, Lori, and I appreciate that. I will say that adoptees are kind of a tender spot is feeling used. Um, Often we are kind of you know, and this is just really a blunt way to say this, but we are often used to make a family, um, and it—that's um, a very blunt way to say it. I know that there's other, other things that go go around that, um, but that can often just give us a kind of uncomfortable feeling um, if we are being used. So I think that um, just being sensitive to emotional labor um, and. Um, and knowing that adoptees are often natural helpers we want to help um there's a psychology behind that sometimes helping makes us feel like we matter um and so just not taking advantage of those things and being aware of some of the underlying emotional dynamics that may not be true for everybody um and not everybody wants to help and so kind of reading the the person um i think you know i don't Think, I think a lot of us, myself included, want to help. We want to make a difference in adoptee lives um, and family lives, um, but not everybody feels that way. Some people are hurting um, and have rightful reasons that they don't want to help. So I think you've got to, it's kind of getting to know each person and what, you know, getting a feel for them. And I think that leads to kind of the the biggest thing I would say on this topic is real authentic relationships, not um, lead to the ability to be able to read the person and know what's right to ask and know where the boundaries are and um, being respectful in how you ask. Not just um, I've got a question, you're an adoptee and here's my situation, but I really want to get to know you and you're a human and you matter. And as we develop a relationship, then it questions and and conversations are going to naturally arise. So kind of a social, <laughs> social, social niceties um, basics as well.
2: Yeah, that brings up two things for me, and they're kind of tied together. One is you mentioned finding that space between giving somebody a voice and taking something from them, finding that nuanced place. And then also, you, if if you have a relationship with somebody, you're gonna be attuned to them. You're gonna already kind of you're not you're gonna already put something in with that relationship before, so that you have something to draw out when you do want to ask a question. So that that's kind of what I'm hearing is that this is more relationship based when you when you call on that. Kelsey, how about you? Have somebody has it ever happened to you where somebody finds out you're a birth parent and they say they start asking you about that or make some comments or anything?
0: Yeah, I mean it's a pretty. Um unique experience in the grand scheme of like society to have relinquished a child for adoption voluntarily so people always have questions and people always have um, comments and opinions as well and so um, it's kind of I know a lot of birth moms it's a gamble on uh, something that something that we hear all the time people nonchalantly just ask you how many kids do you have? And so this is a question that it actually is really hard for birth moms to answer. And we have to rely on like our gut and our initial sense of the person asking the question to know if we can trust them with that or not. And a lot of it is also relationship-based. Um, and so that question and and the possible rabbit hole that you know, you can be led down by by being truthful about your answer. Um, it's very stressful, and um, also when the other person has uh, a possible experience with adoption, whether directly as an adoptee or an adoptive parent, or everybody knows somebody who's adopted too, um, and so a lot of people have preconceived opinions and ideas walking into that conversation. And so that's a gamble as well. Um, And I tend to feel like there's a lot more room for, I guess, kind of disrespectful conversations when people um, bring their preconceived ideas about adoption, but don't bring their mutual respect and empathy and understanding. Um, I think those have to be a two-part deal when coming to a conversation with with us. And so, um, i've I've heard, uh, you know, on summons, I've been in conversations where people immediately assume, oh, you're a birth mom, you place a child for adoption, you're pro-life, and you're th- you're this and you're that. and um how amazing are you? And it's that's not <laughs> a productive conversation, and it's very awkward to be um, kind of just made upon in a political controversy. And so um, those kind of making assumptions about our circumstance, about w- what happened um, on both sides to assume that we were all forced to place a child for adoption as well. It's, it's an awkward situation to have assumptions placed on you. And then you kind of feel like you have to dig your way out or just stop the conversation altogether. And I think that really stunts relationships when we feel that way, so.
1: Kelsey, hearing you talk about those um, preconceived notions around adoption and some of the prevalent messaging, we get that a lot too. And that's something that can, that's a conversation shutter downer. Mm -hmm. um, If That's such a word or a phrase, but um, I will say, there's a lot of times someone might be asking a question, but then it turns around to just offering advice and adoptees are often seen as children and someone to just, Oh, well, you, you're still figuring it out. Or I know your parents loved you so much. And, um, you know, it, it, which may be irrelevant. It may be like it started with a question that they were having, and then you end up getting told some of the, the things that are really hurtful. Um, and you should be grateful. And, um, some of those messages too, um, so we get that as well. I
0: think those kind of conversations, especially like when you've just met the person or something, or you're you're not you don't have a deep relationship with them at that point. I, I think it's just for me, it's exhausting. It's like I need to go lay down after having that kind of conversation because, and I'm an overthinker, and I know Sarah, you are as well, and so I think that those kind of things can leave you. Pondering for days, and it's like, did I say the right thing? Should I have just shut up? What should I have done? And overall, those kind of things we just don't need to go there a lot of times. Um, I think it's just good to make sure you you're not digging too deep in what could possibly be a very touchy subject. Um there's a lot of touchy subjects outside of adoption that we have. Um, kind of a a social awareness to not go there with um, like I'm struggling to think of one but I know that we have them and I, I sometimes wish we would treat adoption the same um, not that we should never go there but just that we should be more sensitive and we're not um, you know we're not I say this actually a lot about birth moms um, and how we talk about the birth moms within our constellations um, and that we're not little, um, we're not kept inside glass boxes at the museum for people to tap on and read about. Like we're real people. And so um, I wish that people, when they would approach me, they wouldn't tap on <laughs> the glass box around me and read about me or or read um, what they think are the words of my book. I wish that they would just get to know me as a person outside of that
2: first. So I'm kind of smiling, Kelsey, because I'm thinking we should, instead of just religion and politics as being the, the too hot to talk about topics, we could add adoption into that too. But I'm also curious for both of you when you're talking, when you're envisioning these conversational pro- approaches. Um, are you primarily meaning adoptive parents coming to you or just general people coming to you and asking you things or like, who who is, who who's, who's doing this? And I suppose I should also wonder, are they doing it to me too? And I'm, I,
1: I should think about that. It is adoptive parents for me. Um, I have never had any birth parents. I've got to go back. I shouldn't say never. It's a dangerous word, but I can't think of any birth parents who've come to me asking questions and for adoptees, it's totally different. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, like it's, you know, we're on a, on a different mind level and just, you know, that it, it wouldn't even land as someone coming to me for advice. It's just (laughs) conversing with a comrade. Um, but yeah, it is adoptive parents, um, primarily in in my case coming to adoptees. For
0: me, I think I've had, it's been both adoptees and adoptive parents, but, um, it could be anybody, it could be people that my cousin's sister's husband was adopted and I know everything and, or I read th- 13 articles in, um, in the Parents Magazine and, and so I know everything about it and now I'm gonna, you know what I mean? And so there's just a lot of assumptions <laughs> and so I, from everybody, um, one thing Americans love to have is opinions. And so I think that um, it, it it could be anybody. It could be anybody. There's no, um, and it could be your own family. A lot of times it's been that for me too. So you never know.
2: Yeah, sometimes it comes to me from totally outside of adoption world. Just, oh, you adopted your kids. How do you do that? What's that like? You're so great. What a hero you are. Um, some of the, the, the um, stereotypes. And uh, like you said earlier, Kelsey, sometimes I decide in that moment, am I going to um, correct? You know, am I going to, how much am I going to get into it with somebody who I may run ag- up against again or not? Um, so, But I'm wondering now, if this is, if from the adoptive parent standpoint, or maybe from everybody, if would consent and opt-in be a good place to start and a good, like making this rule more apparent, before you strike up a conversation with somebody and ask them their experience, maybe get their opt-in. Say, would you mind if I talk to you about this? Or you might, would you mind if I asked you two questions about this or something like that? Does that, would that help? Is that a good step?
0: I, I mean, I think yes, um, but also be prepared to hear a no. Um, people ask me that a lot in my inbox. Like, can I ask you a question about my own adoption? And I have said no before, because sometimes I just I'm not a social worker and I'm not a therapist, and like I'm not qualified, and I also feel like you shouldn't be asking people on social media for every answer that um, that you may need. You very well could need professional help, and there's no shame in that, and that's totally fine. Um, and I think we're putting we put a lot of trust in people on the internet maybe we should back off on the trust that we put in to people we don't really have a relationship with online. Um, But I think, yeah, I think consent is a good start.
1: I would agree too. And I think, you know, again, this just kind of speaks to context and relationship. I think think that question might land a little awkwardly if it were a total stranger. um but if it were someone I, I was engaged with um then i think that that that's totally different so i think that does give me the power to say yes or no i think um boundaries can be really hard for adoptees so i think for me the the onus is on the person asking to just be sensitive and um and you know a, not all adoptees are the same so one adoptee's opinion might be different from another's um and so i think that you know, what are the questions being asked? And um, I think that professionals are very important as well. So not to treat, you know, an it And at the same time we have lived experience that, that really could be very useful. And hopefully it could be, you know hopefully for those of us who are willing then hopefully that's an opportunity to lend some insight or a shift that a professional who doesn't have the lived experience may not realize. So I think there's an important thing there important component there too.
2: Yeah, so it circles back around again to, is there some sort of relationship there or this is this out of the blue? Because you can do so much more in relationship than you can with a disconnection. Um, so what about people who have kind of hung out a shingle? I talk about adoption and that would include all of us and a lot of other people on social media, on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and blogs and podcasts and everything. How do we what are some of the rules of engagement for approaching them with our questions? Sarah, do you have any ideas about that?
1: Just, just before I answer your question, Lori, I just want to say how important that is too to have. And you know, we've we've noticed that from the last two and a half, some years working together. Um, just how important these cross-siloed perspectives are. Um, you know, I I have a lot of adoptee only spaces. And then I have a lot, several spaces like this one, um, with members of other, you know, other constellation members, and it's really healthy. It's really healthy to, to get that balance. I think we can, you know, I, I love, love, love. I cherish my adoptee only groups so much, and I have equal love and good feelings for these cross spaces where I can kind of ponder things and, Oh, like, you know, maybe I hadn't thought of this. So, um, Anyway, I just want to say just what that just thought came to me hearing you talk about relationships, just how important it is to, um, just get out of your, get out of your group. So yet another, both. And we can't let an episode go by without
2: saying both of these,
1: (laughs) both of these. And it's for those of us who feel safe. So like you said, we're putting up the shingles. It's not on everybody's shoulders to, to enter into these spaces and put the sign up, um, and say that we're open for business, uh, I think, you know, um, probably the best way is for those who really have the shingle up, um, to pay for their services. So I'm thinking of, um, lots of different, um, entities and organizations and people who offer consulting. And that's probably like, that's the very best, safest way to engage They're They're for sure open for business and you can pay for their, their services. So I think that's, that's one thing, um, I think, you know, another is just, I guess, ask, I think I agree with you, Kelsey. I think the social media ask, I, I can't, I don't have time. I can't get to social media asks of personal situations. If I'm thinking of a case, Lori, where you had a friend who was in a really tough situation and you asked me if it was okay. And I said, yes, it's okay. And I decided in terms of my boundaries, I'm I have time for one email exchange. I'm not going to, it's not going to be more than that, any more than that, and we're in like consulting realm. So I think that's something to think of too. What's the time? Um, And that's something we can all think about in terms of what are our boundaries and what works for us. For me, that worked for me. Um, And it's kind of a case by case situation um, on some of these things. But I think for adoptees engaging in this work and probably for birth parents as well, to just know what that boundary is, um, and what you're willing to give, and not be bitter about, <laughs> uh, and not feel used about. Um, and then for the people asking, to just be mindful of the boundaries and accept the boundaries in a gracious way.
2: Kelsey, do you have any thoughts about um, when somebody has said, "I'm I'm here to talk about adoption." What are What are some of the rules of engagement around that?
0: Yeah, I think. I used to, but not so much anymore. i'm just I'm not really super active like I used to be on social media, but i I shifted years ago to a policy perspective and talking about just macro issues and adoption and shifted away from micro. I'm not a caseworker. i'm that's not my strength. Um, and I think some people thought that it didn't matter and so they would ask me their specific questions for their specific situations and I was like not in that space and and it's not what I'm good at either and so um, I think because they've put out a shingle in adoption doesn't mean that they've put out a shingle to be a case by case type of so I think in, in yes, paying for their services, and, um, but also do a little, if you're gonna ask um, something like very personal, or, um, and and you're not sure what realm they're in, I I mean, do a little digging to find out what exactly kind of consulting that they offer, if any, Um, go through their proper avenues. A lot of them have um, booking information Um, out there if that's what their you know their business setup is and then um, you know it it may be something if you can't tell of what they offer ask them what they offer and and then it you you take an even further step back from asking for consent to ask a personal question and say what is the proper avenue um, to utilize your services because I think it makes it even more broad and um you can and and some a lot of times when people ask me stuff like that I can say I don't but I have a list of people that do and I would love to send send you their way um I think that that's also really helpful as well
2: one other thing that's come up in our conversations together is that when you are approached as a proxy for some something and somebody in another person's relationship. Um, like, so how should I deal with my birth mom or my child is going through this thing, can you give me adoptee insights. Um, is there anything you want to say on the I mean i'm sure you kind of want to help because you want to help the situation, but is there anything new, we have to say about that that we haven't already said.
1: Yeah, every one of us is different. We're all unique. So I think that's putting that's putting a lot of pressure on to be the proxy. (laughs) Um, I always like to just go a little bit broader. I just I do. I love psychology. I love understanding attachment. And so I like to kind of think about the attachment dynamics that could be at play and how I might feel put myself in shoes and just give ideas. But that doesn't mean that it's the right answer. (laughs) There's there's a risk of kind of assuming other people are um, you know, going to tell you how to how to go about your day and answer every every different hurdle. Um, because they're just gonna come up and it's gonna be unique to your family, to your child. Um, and there's gonna be a lot of uncomfortable moments. Adoption's hard. It comes with a lot of pain. Um, it comes with a lot of hurt, there's a lot of grieving that needs to be done, that a lot of a lot of adoptees, myself included, flee. We, we try to run from it, and so that complicates things. It makes it really hard. It can make parenting the parenting journey really complicated. And so, of course, um, I'm, my children are biological to me, and it's hard. I want answers. I want to go to somebody and tell what. Tell me what to do. What? But part of being a parent is working through and finding our way through that stuff. Um, and so, I think that like coming with really specific. Things and assuming that one adoptee can be the proxy to explain what's going on is just a setup for a lot of frustration.
0: Um, I think, in my experience, you know, asking questions about how to deal with a d- difficult birth mom, um, I'm not really, <laughs> I'm pretty much, I'm kind of a girl's girl too. So for me personally, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be uh, an obstruction to your progress. But I'm not going to. Uh, there was one particular time I had somebody who probably just didn't really understand what I did or anything, asked me how they could um, stop contact with their kid's birth mom. And I was like, I'm not gonna do that. Um, That's super rare and that obviously only happened one time. And like I said, I think it was a huge misunderstanding of who I am and what I do and my role. And so, um, but there's a lot of things where I have a lot of loyalty for the women that we fight for and that we advocate for and, and shine a light on. And I'm not gonna cross that boundary um even though like there's not every birth mom is my friend but like i i will always advocate for their rights and um well-being and so i'm there's that line i won't cross and i guess another one and it may be more personal to me is um sometimes i've had adoptive parents say i can't hug my child's birth mom so i'm going to hug you and and I'm not a hugger, so that's probably one thing. But also, um, you know, adoption is so individualistic, and it's so case by case. And and I'm not her. And I also hear that a lot of times um, with coupled with like, I wish she was like you. And I don't really think that you do because your child is a unique um, person, one of a kind, who comes from. That woman, and and they wouldn't be who they are without that woman. and so I think um, it's I think it's just a, an oversight, and i and I, I don't think that people have a lot of hurtful intentions when they say it, but I think if they were more mindful of it, they'd be able to see a larger picture of adoption. Um, if they were just a little more careful with how they view things and how they see other constellation members, et cetera. So
2: So from being in listening mode, a couple of the takeaways I I hear um, from Kelsey, I'm hearing you say, kind of look at the assumptions you're bringing into this conversation. What are you bringing from your experience with a birth mom, with an adoptee or a birth parent? or adoption or, or whatever, what are you bringing into this and what are you assuming and laying on this person that may not be there? So check your assumptions. And what I'm hearing from you, Sarah, is about kind of, we always talk about reading the room, but also reading the person, reading the moment, um, attuning, which is you know something that's so important in adoptive parenting is being able to attune with where your child is in that moment. And we can use that skill, we can practice that skill when we're having these, um, uh, entering into these conversations online by trying to figure out where where are we with this? Is, is this a good time? Have I overstayed my welcome? If you do get into a conversation, you want to, you know, always be checking for the time to exit the conversation, too. So why don't we start to wrap this up? Maybe, maybe we can try to list some of the um, rules of engagement that we've kind of uh, pulled out today. I'll start with um try to do this out of relationship try to have these conversations by first having some sort of a relationship whether it's been established for a little while or you're just kind of talking with somebody in a Facebook group and saying hey i heard you say that and i really like that can i ask you one more question or something like that and getting that permission would be a second one maybe getting an opt in and consent and being ready be, being okay with a no what else have have we taken away today
1: I would add just being aware of some of the dynamics for adoptees in particular, that um, sometimes our trauma responses <laughs> can be wanting to be help, helpers um, and wanting to feel like we matter and um, wanting to be heard. And so um, just being mindful of that in, in the interactions and respectful and not taking advantage.
2: I like what that, Sarah, because you're, you're saying value me by seeing me. And sometimes value means put, be willing to offer to compensate the person for helping you solve whatever problem you're coming to that person with. Kelsey, I think you mentioned to have really good boundaries. Um, if it, if it's not okay for you to to engage, go ahead and say no and that's fine. And if it, you do want to engage, but you do want to be paid, you say, <laughs> um, I can talk with you about it and here's how to book an appointment with me something like that, be very clear. Clarity is another really important piece of, of healthy functioning relationships is being clear within yourself so you can be clear with somebody else.
1: And uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of recapping what Kelsey just said, but the comparison, not comparing, not comparing, just uh, each person is unique. I guess that's, you, you kind of covered that Lori, but um, you know, I would just add sometimes adoptees get that too. Um, Oh, you're doing so well. And in my case, my child isn't, and uh, the comparing isn't helpful uh, because everybody's different and our, how we're responding to trauma (laughs) and separation um, wounds is different for everybody, but it doesn't, if it's not visible, it doesn't mean it's not there. Any last words on the subject? No, I feel like we covered it really well.
2: I wanted to open it up to anybody else because you've spent some time with us we're kind of in a relationship you if you have something to say on what you think the rules of engagement look like what respectful. conversation looks like what disrespectful conversation looks like we'd love for you to leave us some feedback um, on our YouTube channel or on our uh, website adoptionunfiltered.com. and um, and please tune in again the next time we'll have we'll have more episodes for you coming up in the future, thank you so much.
0: Thanks to all of you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, comment, rate, and share wherever you listen to help others find Adoption Unfiltered. It's through healthy engagement that we can make the changes needed for all those impacted by adoption. Visit adoptionunfiltered.com for other episodes and more information about our other projects.